God, we pray to you. We don't pray to anyone else. You're the one who says that you hear our prayers. We have the privilege to pray, the opportunity to communicate with you. We do so together here as a corporate body. We are thankful for so, so many things, for life, for being here or being able to watch through a device on Zoom. Thank you that we could gather together, that we could be there and be here for each other to learn from your word, to sing together. Thank you that we can rejoice together. Thank you that we can rest on you no matter where we're at. Thank you for those words that encourage us to cast our cares, our anxieties on you. You know. You know what's going on in each of our lives, each of our hearts, each of our thoughts. We pray that you would bring comfort to the brokenhearted here. That you would allow us all to see how thankful we really should be. We praise you for sacrificing yourself for us that we could go free. I pray that you would help each one of us to see you more clearly this morning and see your love for us more clearly this morning. And I pray also that you would uh, prick our hearts to to see how uh, we need to extend that love towards others. I pray that you would deepen our care and our love for one another here at Grace Fellowship. Help us to minister to one another. We pray also for opportunities as you put us in different places and as we bump into different people all over the place that you would enable us to be salt and light to them, to be wise with our words, to be thoughtful, to be uh, Christian entrepreneurs and take initiative and take risks, talk to people, ask questions, share our faith, why we believe what we believe. Help us to do this for your sake. We pray that you would bring in many more folks to hear about this message, hear about this good news. Uh, for your sake. And God, this morning as we look at Luke 7, we pray that you would help us to uh, see you clearly. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, we are looking at Luke 7 this morning, and we're taking a break uh, after week one when we got started in in our Proverbs series. Uh, But Peter is leading us through our Proverbs series, and he is not here this morning. And so we're going to be looking at Luke 7. If you need a Bible, Again, and a handout, it's in the back. If you have a church Bible, we're going to be on page 811. We're going to be looking at Luke 7, verse 36 to 50. Now, if you don't know me, my name is Reese. I'm privileged to serve here as an elder and privileged to teach this morning. So I first understood the gospel clearly, the news about Jesus clearly, when I was a sophomore over at Penn State. It was the end of my sophomore year. And I remember very clearly when my friend said to me, do you want to believe in Jesus to have forgiveness of all of your sin and have eternal life? 
And I remember my response to that question was, yeah, that's what I've been looking for my whole life. I want that. And that's when I would say that whatever faith I had before that point, it became real at that moment when I prayed and asked Jesus to forgive me and said I was going to follow him with my life. I had so much joy and peace. That was the best day ever. Not too long after that, I was very eager to tell some friends that I had suspected were Christians, because I didn't, I wasn't a Christian, I didn't really know. And, uh, but I went up to talk to them, and I was like, ah, guys, I'm a Christian now. And their response shocked me. I couldn't believe it. They said, this joy that you have right now, I'm like, yeah. They're like, don't forget about it, because you don't want to lose it. I was like, are you crazy? How could that be possible? Like, it's like I just won the billion-dollar lottery. How could I ever forget about this great day and what has happened to me? Well, you know what? After years since that time, I have realized that they were right. There is a temptation in all of our hearts to forget about the goodness of God and the graciousness of God in our lives And this morning, we're going to read a story in the book of Luke that's going to be the key to helping us, the secret to helping us not to forget and to hold on to this joy so that it will not fade away. If you would with me, read Luke 7, verse 36 to 50. I'll be reading from the ESV. One of the Pharisees asked him, that's Jesus, to eat with them, eat with him, And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city was there who was a sinner. When she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one will love him more? Simon answered, uh, the one, I suppose, for whom the canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, 
Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. If you look on your outline, we have three points that we're going to cover this morning. The debtor's dilemma, the debtor's offer, and the debtor's peace. This story is a story of two people. It's not just about one person. And so you have two contrasting people. You have Simon, the guy who's able to own a home, have people over for dinner, and provide this dinner for multiple guests. You would think that he is a respected individual, is a Pharisee, a religious leader. On the other hand, you have a woman who is not respected in the city, who has a poor reputation, and who comes in as this uninvited guest, presumably, and does this crazy thing to one of the invited guests. And so, because the text looks at Simon and at the woman, as we go through this, we're going to look through the lens of their eyes and see how this story is impacting both of them. So, Jesus is invited to the house of this Pharisee for dinner, and or I assume dinner, a meal. And while they're there, their, their typical style was to, you know, the table was low to the ground and they're laying down, like head closer to the table, so their feet are out away from the table. And apparently, uninvited guests were allowed to come, so this woman comes in and she's in the back and they're supposed to, uninvited guests, according to commentators, are supposed to stay quiet and listen in on what's, what's happening at the dinner table. But what she is doing is something that's a little, you know, like I said, crazy, a little unique. She is touching Jesus' feet, crying and drying them with her hair and perfuming his feet. It's, it's a little odd. And so the host himself notices what's going on in verse 39, and he's saying to himself, if this man were a prophet, and the, the underscoring there is which he is not, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is, that who is touching him. She is a sinner. And so Jesus notices this. He reads his thoughts while this is happening and tells him the story about two debtors and neither can pay and he forgives the debt. And that is to illustrate what's happening in real life in this story. So what does this mean? The people there, uh, presumably, um, you know, everybody but Simon, and Simon, I should say, were shocked that this woman was doing this. And this is where I get the point of the debtor's dilemma. If you look at verse 42, when Jesus is telling the story to explain what happens, he talks about these people that have two different debts, but they have the same predicament. They can't pay. They can't pay the debt. And so here's the dilemma. When you owe a debt and you can't pay, and you have no prospect of ever being able able to pay it, and there's a huge penalty for not paying your debt, what do you do? You have a big dilemma on your hands. And really, I think you only have two options. And one is bad and one is good. The first option is to ignore the debt. Like it doesn't exist. Like it, I just, I'm going to block it out of my mind. I'm not going to uh, you know, look at it. I'm going to pretend to be like a college student on College Avenue and walk across the street and pretend like I don't see the car that's about to hit me. <laughs> As if that gets rid of the car. I don't understand. That's one option, is to ignore the debt, and hopefully it'll go away or something will happen. So that's not going to happen. The other is to recognize that you have the debt 
and know who the, the creditor is and you go to, to them and you fall at your feet and you say, forgive me, I can't do anything about this. Could you please help me? That's your second option. There really is no other options because you have no ability to pay this debt back. That is the debtor's dilemma. Let's look at how these two people respond. How does Simon respond? Well, he sees what's happening with this woman doing this thing to Jesus. And again, he says to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known. And he says two things. He would have known who this woman was and what kind of woman or what sort of woman this is who's touching him. Because the implication is he doesn't know these things. He is focused on this other person's debt, not himself, not his own. And Jesus points out even later on that had he been thinking about his own debt, he might have seen Jesus in a different light and treated him differently, much like the woman treats Jesus. So that's how Simon responds. What about the woman? So the woman here, she comes in in desperation. I mean, she's weeping and crying. She goes out in public, takes a risk in several different risks, right? She could have been rejected by the, uh, the guys, not let in the door, the guy's house. She could have been rejected by Jesus. She could have been um, turned away for a number of reasons for uh, bringing these, this uh, perfume in, which the commentators say it was an expensive thing. Uh, none of that happened. But she goes in desperation to Jesus' feet. And the most amazing thing happens when she does. She goes down and touches his feet. And what happens? Or what doesn't happen? Jesus doesn't pull his feet back. If you and I are at the dinner table, and I'm sure you've had this happen, where you know, you're sitting there having a conversation and your feet like bump into somebody else's feet, what do both people do? Like, like, I don't want to communicate anything. It's, you know, that's what you do. You don't play footsie under the table. And so when someone's touching your feet, they've got to be someone, that's like an intimate thing. So here Jesus is being touched by this woman at his feet and he doesn't pull back. He doesn't shrink back. And so Simon's thought is he must not know who or what kind of woman this is. But see, the thing is, as she takes this risk, she knew who Jesus was and what kind of person he was. And also, Jesus knew who she was and what kind of woman she was. See, Simon was right. He did know. Or Simon was wrong. He did know who she was. And because of his love for her and knowing who she was, he didn't pull back. He didn't pull his feet back. So she goes to his feet in desperation. How does this apply to us? Well, we need to recognize that we are in debt to God. We have the same dilemma that these two people had. If we ignore it, we are in grave danger. And it's not a monetary debt. This is a spiritual debt. Our sins against a holy God. No one's perfect. All have sinned. As Romans says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. 
An old pastor, a pastor from hundreds of years ago, Matthew Henry, said this, As creatures, we owe a debt, a debt of obedience. We have not paid our rent. No, we have wasted our Lord's goods and become debtors. That's our position. And like Jesus says in verse 42, when they could not pay, we cannot pay. We cannot make up for this debt of sin. And there may be differing amounts. Don't compare yourself to other people. Think about your own debt. You cannot pay it no matter what the amount is. And do you see this debt? Do you see this sin? Does it drive you to desperation? As I've been thinking about this passage this week, uh, I realize so often that what I am on the outside is like the woman. You guys can see and you interact with me. You see all my faults, all my character flaws, all the sins, all the things. And I try my best to kind of hide it. But you can see all that stuff. But on the inside, I'm way more like Simon. Even though the reality is I'm more like the woman. So inside, I think I'm better than those other people. Or God likes me, or I'm more special because of these other things. Or that I get to talk about other people behind their back because I'm like better somehow. Like, I was just even thinking about this passage. Like, these guys, after they leave the dinner table, might even feel that way or be tempted to, can you believe what the teacher did? Perhaps you're like me and you listen to sermons and think about how this applies to other people and not yourself. I realize that I just, I try to avoid people that are not like me or people that I view as kind of messy. I don't see my own debt. Simon on the inside, woman on the outside. Jesus knows who each one of us is. And he knows what kind of person we are. Because he can see our thoughts. He knows our hearts. So you and I are in the debtor's dilemma. We cannot pay this big debt. And so we have to choose. Ignore it or fall at Jesus' feet. And when we fall at Jesus' feet, he is ready and willing to give us an offer. And that's our second point. The debtor's offer. Notice in the story, Jesus doesn't give any indication that those who owe the debt have to pay it back. It's the, the money lender who's like, all right, I'm canceling the debt. But this debt doesn't mean that it just goes away. Like I remember I was, uh, when I had my single days, I had a roommate he wasn't paying his fair share of the bills, but I, my name was on the bills, so I had to pay the bills, and he never paid me, so who paid the debt? Me. Somebody pays the debt, and here Jesus pays the debt of sin so that it doesn't just evaporate. And I want to show you here, I want to point out three things where I think Jesus is making this offer of payment to those who would listen. So the first is that he doesn't pull his feet back. I'd mentioned that before. But Jesus admits in verse 47 that this lady's, this woman's sin is many. She has many sins. She has this reputation um, uh, in the city for being a sinful woman. But she does not recoil. And, and can you imagine the moment at which she takes a risk to touch his feet and they don't move? What joy she has at that moment 
that Jesus is telling her, in a sense, I accept you for who you are. I'm not going to run away from you. He doesn't pull back. I mean, imagine if you're at a fast food restaurant and you're sitting down and some stranger sits next to you and they're the kind of person that you're like, I don't know, I want to you know, be next to them. But then they put their arm around you and they start talking to you. If you're like me, I'm like, whoa, 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 that's a little too close. With Jesus, there is no such thought. And so his offer is that he will not go away from you if you come to him. He will not pull back from you as you move towards him. And if you feel like you've messed up one too many times, you go to him. He will not pull back. His offer is to be with you in your sin and in your mess. So he doesn't pull back. That's the first one. The second one is that he goes to Simon's house. Consider when Jesus gets this invitation from Simon, hey, Jesus, come on to my house for dinner. What could have Jesus, what could have Jesus said? He could have said, no, you're not worthy of me because if I come to your house, you're not even going to care for me. Jesus doesn't do that. He knows what's going to happen, but yet he goes and cares for Simon even though he's not going to be treated as he should. He gives Simon and company the same access to him as he does the woman. Now, neither Simon or the dinner guests or the woman deserve Jesus. Jesus makes himself available to them. So that's the second way he's making this offer. And then the third way that I want to show you is that Jesus helps Simon and others to see their debt. He tries to remove the veil and point out that they're not, they, they are ignoring their debt. So in verse 40, when Jesus sees what's going on in Simon's heart, notice he doesn't blast him and say, Simon, how could you? He says, I have something to say to you. And then he tells him the story of the Munderlander. And then he says that you didn't give me these things like water for my feet or anoint my head with oil, uh, welcome me with a kiss. So some customary things, um, But he's pointing out that Simon, had he seen Jesus rightly, would have acted very differently. And this is to Simon's benefit that Jesus is helping him to see who he is and the debt that he owes to God. But how do these people respond? How does Simon respond? Verse 49, who is this who even forgives sins? Simon and dinner guests, again, don't see their debt. And because they don't see the debt, They don't see the offer. And they don't treat Jesus Jesus accordingly. And again, the woman, on the other hand, she brings the expensive perfume, uses tears, hair. She's just a ball of mess and a mix of desperation. And she comes to Jesus. And again, when she touches her feet, that offer, it's real. It's real. He didn't pull back. So again, we have to see that we are first in debt to God because of our sin. Jesus sees us. He knows who we are, what kind of people we are. And we have to see the amazing offer he has on the table. And this offer is, like he says, he's canceling the debt for those who want it. Forgiveness of all sin 
And like I said, just as Simon and the woman and the dinner guests don't deserve it, we don't deserve it either. You may have done things that you deeply regret again in your life and you feel might feel like you're disqualified or feel like, I, how could this be or how good could this be? I, I don't know if you're like me, but I like to daydream at times. Uh, I don't like it, but I, I'm daydreaming because I'm thinking about things that I regret in life. And I daydream and I think, if only I could go back in time and like hide in the corner and see myself about ready to say that thing or do that thing I regret and like jump out and tackle myself or duct tape my mouth or something so that I wouldn't have done that sin. But I did, and I can't, and we can't go back in the past. Those consequences have happened, whatever came from that, and the sin was real. But the debt and the payment for that debt of sin to God, if you're in Jesus and and he's forgiven you, is gone. You don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about it. Now, if I have to talk to someone else, I have to go do that. But in terms of sin against God, I can live in freedom like this woman. So two applications here for you to consider. One is to remember this offer and the terms of the offer. Jesus said in verse 47 that uh, he who forgives little loves little. And the opposite is true, that those who are forgiven much love much. That was kind of the point of the story there. And so if you want to love Jesus, grow in your walk with God, and be in rejoicing and have, have hope every day, then you go to Jesus. You go to Jesus and remember the terms of this offer. You trade up your debt for his love for you. The best deal ever. That's his offer. The second application is to listen when you're corrected. Again, Jesus points out Simon's faults, and this was not to shame him. It was for his benefit, to help him to see the debt. I am so ashamed of how prideful I am. Like people come to me to tell me like how I can grow in my character, or or I did something wrong. And the first thing that comes to my mind is, I am justified for why I did that. I have a built-in lawyer that just pops out of nowhere and can defend myself. Peter, who's preaching uh, uh, through Proverbs, he's one of the elders here, I first heard him say this that is new to me, that every person has a built-in defense lawyer. And they're really good. So when that, that uh, accusation comes in, boy, they can really defend yourself. There is always a good reason why we did what we did, and it's not our fault, or so we think. So I would encourage you to pay attention, whether it's Scripture or someone else, and whether if it's someone else, if they have good motives or bad motives, if they're trying to point something out in your life, pay attention They might be just bringing you salvation as you see the debt, hear the offer, and accept it. Now, we see the debt, see the offer. What happens when you accept this offer? That's going to lead us to point number three, the debtor's peace. Again, verse 42, they can't pay. Now, when you have a big debt and you can't pay, 
We've already gone over the dilemma. But what about your own heart? I imagine that causes just a ton of stress. Anybody with a lot of debt, that causes some stress. Unless a miracle happens, you can't ever get out of it. But what's great is that a miracle does happen. The moneylender cancels the debt, and for those who the debt is canceled, it means great rejoicing. It means great rejoicing. At the end of the story here, verse 50, Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now ask the question, what is she saved from? Didn't look like she was in danger right there at the moment. What was she saved from? She was saved from the debt of having to face judgment for her sins. And she was set free from that. And when she was set free, she had peace. Go in peace. That, that debt that was hanging overhead, those, all those anxieties that were tied to paying off that debt that she couldn't pay are gone. And when the debt is gone, the creditor can't come back again and say, well, you owe me five more bucks. No, I don't owe you anything because the debt has been paid or been forgiven. Well, how does Simon respond here to the end? Again, who is this who even forgives sins? There's no indication that anyone at this dinner party other than the woman leaves with much more than confusion. They're like, well, what's going on? What just happened? I don't even know if they got to the food after this. So Simon doesn't see the debt, doesn't get the offer, and doesn't get the peace. That's the order of way it goes. Yet the woman again experiences the best day of her life. She enters in, in fear and anxiety and desperation with what little she has and comes to Jesus' feet and leaves. Remember how she took a risk where she could have been rejected by Jesus? She leaves exalted by Jesus. Everybody's looking at her. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. What a turnaround. What an amazing turnaround. This means that you and I have access to the same type of turnaround and same type of joy. Let me ask you, what did she do to earn this forgiveness? It wasn't because she cried and wept and wet his feet with her tears. That was a reflection of her being forgiven. She did not earn this forgiveness. Jesus granted it for her because ultimately we know that he pays it on the cross as he dies for the sin of the world. This is not about earning favor. Instead, her actions or any of our actions as we take this offer are a reflection of accepting the offer. So again, if you want to love Jesus more, grow in your walk with God, reflect on what he offers and what he gives you. You know, I'd like to say that I understand a little bit about what this woman went through because of, you know, my greatest day I told you about earlier, where the blinders came off and I saw Jesus clearly and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. 
Any one of us can have this. If you have not experienced this forgiveness, this love, this peace that Jesus offers, I would encourage you, you don't have to wait any longer. Just as that woman left the dinner party as she crossed the threshold out into the street, rejoicing and probably doing a little dance. That can be you too as you walk out these doors. So don't wait. Have your best day ever today. What is today? September 25th. That could be your new birthday. You know, the story I told at the beginning about uh, how you could kind of lose your joy and kind of forget about it. I'd be willing to guess that this woman later on in her life maybe have even struggled with that. When life goes on, time passes, hardships come and go, we can forget about the goodness of Jesus. So how did she and us battle this? What's our secret? So the secret to lasting joy is the process that we're outlining here, that you have to come face to face with your debt, you have to admit it, you have to see the offer that Jesus gives, and you have to accept it. And when you do that every single day, you get that miracle or that, that view on that miracle in your life every single day. And that what is what leads you to joy and peace. Now, I don't mean you're happy clappy every day, but you have joy even in the midst of difficult times. And as, and as we go day to day, right, life happens. And that's why I quoted that Psalm 55, 22 to begin our time because anxieties and cares and other things and pressures put, are put on us. And I want to encourage you to see those things as things to help you to see Jesus, to drive you to Jesus. Because if he's the one who's given you this offer to die for your sins and forgive you and love you, he's not going to leave you at the door. He's going to be with you through those things. So give them to him because he knows who you are. He knows what you're going through. The secret to peace and joy is going to Jesus, knowing that this miracle has happened to you. This is who Jesus is. He knows you, knows what kind of person you are, but do you know him and what kind of person he is? You can bring your cares and worries to him and he will take care of you. I hope that you see your debt, your desperation this morning. It drives you to Jesus and that you rejoice. And whether you had the best day ever before, you can experience the same today. Because today is a new day that we can see Jesus clearly. I want to take us all to take a moment to kind of reflect on these things before the worship team comes up. So I'd love for you to quiet your hearts with me to consider this debt to God and the offer that Jesus gives for you to have forgiveness, to have life, for you to talk with him and cast your cares on him and whatever burdens you have this morning. So let's pray quietly in our hearts. And when I pray out loud to close us, that's the signal for the worship team members to come up. God, we're so thankful for the message that we can have forgiveness.
You are gracious to point out our faults and our sins. It's not a bad thing. It's the, it's the means to our salvation because in our hearts, we turn away from you all the time. We thank you that you went to Simon's house. You could have said no. You could have said he's not worthy. And you could say the same to us, that we're not worthy. Yet you give us this offer of peace, of joy, of forgiveness, of life with you, of a, of a, of a, a joining your family and adoption into your family, and, and not only now, but forever. Help us never to forget how much you love us and how good we have it in you. Help us to sing loud in words and in our hearts the praises of you as we just reflect on your love and the joy that it brings. Because you said he is forgiven little loves little and the opposite is true. He who is forgiven much loves much. We thank you and praise you. Amen.